Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are listening to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. Swing it and lines the deep left field. It is gone! This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 167. I am your host, Matt Lyons, and in this week's episode, we'll discuss some meatballs, some fun little tidbits of information for you, discuss Josh Naylor potentially staying in right field in spring training and maybe beyond, we'll kind of see if that makes sense, what might happen, if it will happen, have some more under over-under previews, including Fran Mel Reyes, uh, Phil Maton, Eddie Rosario, talk about the athletics name bracket for uh, the Cleveland baseball team, what they'll be called later after this year and we had a poll asking who's going to hit the most home runs for cleveland this year uh, we'll discuss the results from that and talk about why big fran mill dingers are the best dingers uh joining me for all that and more is another mr merritt rolfing merritt how you doing i've overdosed on gravy other than that i'm fine thank you for asking that gravy it's a it's a it does it does some stuff to you when you get when you just drink a bowl of it with you, some yeah, small well, listen, i soaked up the gravy with very buttery biscuits so i mean it's not even like it's a thing so come on um other than that yeah fantastic thanks for asking appreciate it thanks for having me here on the podcast i want every week yeah thanks for uh, hopping on this one very rare time man. <laughs> so we are definitely not um like sponsored or anything but i i don't know if you saw that i'm very excited about the fact that i can actually watch games this year maybe without the garbage mlb tv app because youtube tv can now i i'm, I'm more excited about that than anything because wait I can what youtube tv yeah but you're already screwed you already paid for it i know but fudge <laughs> <laughs> we, we are very much not sponsored and it just like started a couple days ago i guess but like i'm hoping i haven't got to try it yet i'm hoping it like integrates with youtube tv you don't have to use because i don't know what mlb is doing over there but streaming through them is just awful you get those guitar riffs in between every inning and they play the same three highlights every time and it's Why just a miserable experience more highlights just anything or a different guitar riff you know what would be fun is if, if they just showed po- random plays like, there's that twitter account oh yeah nothing that, exceptional that, just random. like yeah like there's a twitter account that just plays a random nba play like once every three hours and it'll just be like l like l james uh pull like you know like whatever two-point shot missed and it's just a shot of lebron james like it's, it's completely like randomized and whatnot but it's like sometimes you get a game that's like a big highlight from whatever the playoffs sometimes it's just the kings versus the grizzlies and it's a guy missing a jumper and like why can't we just have a, a guy see a guy grounding out to third or but still the same fun? dramatic music and everything yeah okay right. i mean have fun with it like you know get some underpaid uh, media people to make those and i'm sure they have a blast with it or or don't just air them or air weird random clips of games from before 1986 that'd be fun yeah oh yeah there's still like old ones too that's the biggest thing the oldest are from the 90s i guess there's never like wouldn't it? Do you think it'd be better in games to show like old clips from the '80s and '70s that aren't like the biggest plays, but they're also exciting plays to like show that the game is? Over? I don't know. I just think there's so many better. See, ways that'd be a good idea. 
Oh, there it is. Yeah. Just, I mean, guys just turning double plays, whatever. Who cares? Yeah. Like, or yeah. or making or making catches or hitting a baseball. Why? Why should we market our game? Why should we do this? This is, doesn't make any sense. We can just compare everybody to LeBron, and that's it. That's all yeah, we need listen, to do. They're all LeBron James. I mean, if we're being honest here, you know, I mean, Phil Maton is LeBron James of, of throwing cutters. Uh, Fran Reyes is LeBron James of. You know, we'll find one. D- don't worry about it. All right, we'll, we'll figure it yeah, Dingers, I guess. Yeah. I, although maybe not. Yeah, Bobby Bradley's LeBron James of exit velocity. So, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. We so can do this. Go. We can market for MLB, Merritt. We don't need other people to do it for us. You know what the uh, the LeBron James of segments is, Merritt? Um, Go on. Ask ask what it is. LeBron James of segments. Of podcast. Merritt, ask what it is. Um, podcast segments? Uh, oh. Meatball. It's meatballs, man. For us, that means it's a segment where we, of course, give everybody tidbits of information, um, little fun things we've discovered over the last. Now we can go back to the last week of baseball because, as we are now, baseball has been played. Spring training is underway. Cleveland has been doing things. They played the Reds on Sunday, the Royals uh, today or yesterday when this podcast comes out. Um, what's your meatball for this week, man? All right, Matt, do you want one that's baseball related, non-baseball related, or old? Which one do you want? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go baseball related just to mix it up. All right, so he's good one. We'll <laughs> go with that one, I guess. Um, uh, first game of the preseason, spring training, whatever. Obviously, the Reds and the Tribe played in beautiful Goodyear, Arizona. Uh, founded, if you were curious, I looked this up today, by Goodyear Tire Company. Do you know why they founded it? Because there was a tire well under it? Wrong. They, they, used it. It, they needed to cultivate uh, tires? Co- cotton, actually. <laughs> in the verdant Arizona hills, I guess. <laughs> it was prime for growing tires. They just I came out of the ground like nothing. Can't wrap my head around that one. But anyway, uh, top of the sixth inning, uh, a couple beautiful words showed up. Brian Shaw replaces James Karinchak on the old line here. And I said to myself, self, how many times do I want to see that this year? No times? I don't know. Now, that being said, we got a very typical uh, Brian Shaw appearance. Uh, Chelsea Cuthbert walks. Uh, Narciso Cook grounds into a double play. Uh, Brian Shaw to second baseman Gabriel Arias to base, first baseman Connor Maribel. And then Alfredo Rodriguez strikes out swinging. I just saw that and it just gave me flashbacks. Good flashbacks, mostly, because he was a very effective pitcher. He got ground ball rates at a pretty decent clip, and he also got a lot of strikeouts, especially towards the end of his career with the drive. Uh, I just hope that he's not spending much time replacing James Karinczak. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you, what, what, what's your over-under on how many times we see him replace uh, James Karinczak? I, I would hope. Almost none. If Karen checks in, I assume it's either the end of the game or it's a situation where there's a big, unless he's just terrible and he just blows. I'll take the over like seven all of a sudden. You're giving away money, you <laughs> idiot. I'm taking. I'm taking the over on this. One. It can't be many, right? Although if <laughs> if we're extrapolating compared to his previous spring training outings, like because he's always terrible in spring, and there was a point where he could be terrible and still make the team. Maybe not this year, but if if he pe- keeps pitching well in the spring maybe that's like equivalent to him being a perfect bullpen reliever in the regular season so i guess we'll see but um but yeah not a whole lot i wouldn't think if he's just going to be a garbage man i hope not a uh, that's, that's a, a big hope is in capital letters because I, I still want to be on the team i think he's a fine innings eater like in losses or in other times you got to conserve Mayton, karen check and class a but i don't want him replacing anybody in vital moments by any means you know, I just realized how how many how many weird uh, syllable stresses there are in the Indians uh, kind of top three bullpen guys. Mayton, but Class A, Karen, check. It's very got a hard hard sounds and weird uh, enunciations. I love it. Um, so my meatball is very simple. Gabriel Arias, two games so far, 
He was two for two on Sunday, three for three today. That's it. That's the meatball. He's five for five. Um, obviously going to be the starting center or starting shortstop on opening day because he was good in the first two spring training games. Uh, but no, it's, I think it's cool that obviously Arias came over in the Clevenger trade. He was, if Josh Naylor was the, and Josh Naylor and Quantrill, Quantrill were the two main pieces to help now. Obviously Arias was the piece in that trade to help them in the future. And it's just kind of cool to see him hitting this well. I know it's the first two tra- spring training games. It doesn't matter at all, but just kind of a neat thing that he's only 21. He just turned 21. He was born in, oh God, the year 2000, which is just ridiculous. But um, he's he's up at the Indians of spring training doing things. I'd imagine if you're just a kid who, that, that's a lot. Even if it's spring training, that's a lot. You're coming up. It's your first spring training with a new team. It's your first. You're still dealing with all these weird protocols. You didn't play real baseball last year, and you come up against two. I mean, they're real pitchers. They're not nobody. Um that doesn't mean they're they're great, but you still got five hits in two games. It's going to make you feel pretty good. And I think it's neat that it happened. Of course, we don't get to watch, so we didn't get to see like anything about how he looked. We can't even see the like, the game day doesn't have anything specific, but we just know he hit ball. He got on base, and that's good enough for me right now. Uh, yeah, those are our meatballs this week. Again, we'll be next week. I think we'll have at least one televised game to watch. I think because the Angels are doing every single one. And I think Cleveland will pay the Angels before our next podcast. So. Um, We'll get to watch some kind of baseball that Cleveland is playing. But in the meantime, we did get to hear that uh, uh, Terry Francona before Sunday's game, he mentioned that um, he was talking to Jim Rosenhaus and I think Tom Hamilton too about the fact that Josh Naylor, they're going to be working him out in right field exclusively in spring training, um, which is, it's worrying for a lot of reasons. But uh, during the game on Sunday with Tom Hamilton, the way he put it was uh, Terry Francona and the coaches have elected to do Bowers is not going to play in the outfield this spring. They're strictly going to put him at first base. Really. The battle is between he and Bobby Bradley. Now, Josh Naylor, everybody knows he can play first, but Naylor is strictly going to play right field this spring. Um, Naylor, of course, he came over also in the Clevender trade. Um, he, he had no, I mean, he played in the outfield. He's played in there in San Diego. He played there some in Cleveland, but coming up through the minors, there was nothing about Josh Naylor that said that he's going to be an outfielder. He's, he's big, he's slow. Um, he's got some power potential, but he's just not an outfielder. He was just kind of there in San Diego, uh, sort of like Fran Reyes, just because they don't have a DH. But now that he's on an AL team, it was kind of thought that he would be a first baseman DH. But now apparently Cleveland's going to stick him in right field, at least for spring training. I think the hope is that it is purely just to give Bobby Bradley and Jake Bowers a chance to battle at first base um, because they already know Josh Naylor can play first. But there's kind of a lot of different ways you could read this, I think. So, I mean, what's your... I guess feeling on, I, I know you mentioned one podcast a few ago that there's no way he's going to be in right field, which I agree that he shouldn't be, but he is. So I, I guess the thing is, first thing I'd like to know, and I don't have any evidence or not, you know, anything concrete on this, but whenever a team will try to work out a player at a brand new position in spring, how often does that stick? You know, and I'm sure it has um, over time, but I mean, as you mentioned, there's no evidence of him ever actually being there. And so why, like what, what do you mean in the outfield? Well, as a right fielder specifically. Oh no, he had he played a little bit in San Diego. Yeah. No, I don't know. I it's like you said, it sounds like it's just them trying to figure it out for um, between Bradley and Bowers because you know they need to figure out whether those guys are anything really. And granted, Bowers is still only about twenty four, and Bradley's not much older, but they're kind of stuck anyway because for all their lack of, and I think we talked about this a bit last week, for all their lack of, you know really top-end talent, they at least have an established major leaguer in left now, and then they have a center fielder somewhere uh, that won't be named Josh Naylor. So it's the only place they can really try him. I Honestly, I was kind of preferring the idea of um, Bowers out there just because he's faster, 
I mean, just so he could cover a bit more ground. I'm, I'm not saying he'd be a good right fielder. Like, you know, he probably has about as much experience playing out there as uh, Naylor does. But it's just kind of, you know, I might as well try it. Might as well see what happens because those guys are either going to make the team or they're not. And uh, Powers, as we've talked about, is definitely one we need to uh, take a hard look at because if he doesn't make the team, then they're going to have to get him to pass through waivers and, you know, I mean, will he? Probably. Cause... I don't know. I think somebody would claim him if they try to put him through waivers just because somebody, there's a rebuilding team out there who can deal with him and just have him take the chance on him being a, a decent first baseman. But yeah, I don't know. It, it just sounds like it's, we, we got to put him somewhere. These games don't matter. So it's going to be a, I wish we had more televised games. Just said, watch that adventure game after game after game. I guess what, the one positive here is most batters are, le- are right-handed and people are more pole happy these days. So maybe the ball won't go that way very much, but we'll see. So. I, I would hope, yeah. But then also, other problem is that Eddie Rosario wasn't good out there either. So whoever's in center field, like, good Lord. Good luck. Oh, yeah. If, if it's Naylor in right and Eddie Rosario in left, there's, there's going to be trouble. But, yeah, one of the ways to definitely read it is just they want to see more is what between Jake Bowers and Bobby Bradley. It, it, maybe it means they don't – there's, like, there's just so many ways you could look into it. Like, either maybe they don't believe in those two or they do and they want to see them in action. Maybe they don't believe in like daniel johnson and jordan luplo in right field so they're just putting josh naylor out there that's their their first priority is getting him used to right field so he can um, take over for them it could be that they just don't believe in in josh naylor so they're just saying go here and whatever but um yeah i my dream scenario was to have like daniel johnson and jordan luplo in right field because it, it would seem weird not to have luplo anywhere and if you're going to put josh naylor in right field there's no reason for Luplo because even though Naylor's a lefty, he hits lefties really well, so you don't really need to platoon him. I mean, obviously, Jordan Luplo is probably better against lefties than Naylor is against anything, but it's not necessary like it could be with Daniel Johnson or, I mean, even Nolan Jones when he comes up, he could be in right field. So, I don't know. It just seems like they either must either really believe in Jake Bowers and Bobby Bradley or they don't at all, and they're just giving him one last shot. And I'm honestly, I'm I'm definitely um, feeling more the the latter of that because it's just – you going through that kind of litany of sort of weird pseudo log jams they have there. <laughs> uh, because like you said, Lupo is going to make the team. Yeah. Um, he's a great platoon bat. I just, I, it just seems like a travesty to try and play uh nailer out and right. Uh, so th- this sounds like, yeah, they're just, they're trying to give those two guys a chance to play where they can focus on hitting because in the, the day their, their ticket was going to be written by their bat uh, regardless of where they end up playing in the field. You know, as I mentioned, I, th- I think you could play um, – of the three of them, uh, Bowers could probably be the best in right defensively, which isn't saying a lot. But, yeah, it just, it, there's so many, like, weird moving parts here, and they're kind of stuck in so many different ways. I mean, obviously, if, like, Eddie Rosario doesn't play well or he does, plays very well and they trade him and they just jam Nolan Jones and left or something like that, that's different too because that's, that's a short-term situation with uh, Rosario, which makes one think that they're just going to ignore Nolan Jones altogether and just have him come up in 2022, which is oh, barf. God, that'd be miserable. I know. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, you know, it's – If we don't see him this year, that's that's just depressing. I, I think they'd find a way to plumb out there. Somebody's going to struggle at some point. Like either if Josh Naylor is in right field, maybe he doesn't quite pan out the way we hope. Um, if he's at first base, there's plenty of space in right field. Then if Geno Johnson doesn't pan out, but – I mean, we, I think so, but again, we're, we're kind of heaping a lot of hope on Josh Naylor, who has a ton of un, you know, unimpressive, uh, you know, actual play so far. Now, granted, again, the the, the atmosphere wasn't always proper, uh, not always ideal, 
Um, but that being said, we're, we're definitely looking at this boy we're already with rose colored glasses just because of, and he's also just so fun in general, <laughs> like him and his brother are both there. They just, him and Fran Reyes are both fun. He's just one of the guys I want to succeed, but I think if he does, it'd be at first base and not in right field. I mean, yeah, he's got a career 249, 309, 383 line. And like, he was worse than that with Cleveland in 2020. Um, he just hasn't been very good. Uh, if anything, he was better. His best stretch was with San Diego, where he got traded in 2020, and even then, he only had a 101 OBS plus. So, what are we to take from this? I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, like I get the logic of using him in right field for now, but is is pretty much what to take. It's it's just a, a spring training weirdness thing. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. Uh, so yeah, so this last week, or last month, I guess now, leading up to opening day, we've been doing over-under previews on Let's Go Tribe.com. Uh, this week we've got some couple of fun ones on there. A couple of our favorite players, I think, if a couple of new players. So our first one, Fred Reyes, Zips. <laughs> Zips projects some 32 home runs, 100 W6 RPI, WRC plus 0.9 war. Last year, his hard hit rate was a 98th percentile, 94th percentile for barrel rate. Uh, he started to lift the ball maybe a little bit too much in 2020, I think was was part of his issue. His launch angle went up a little bit. Um, I know it's sample size too, but I mean, in that small sample, he started to do this and his expected will but drop quite a bit. Um, so I, I think mine's, mine's a pretty easy over for this just because I think of it's a small sample last year and he's just so strong and so big and I think he can match the ball. Even if he's a three outcome guy, I think he can outperform 0.9 war pretty easily. I mean, 2020, he posted a 113 WRC plus with a 355 BABIP. So like, oh no. But in 2019, he posted a 109 WRC plus with a 279 BABIP. So, and someone like him is always going to have a higher batting average on balls in play because he hits the ball so darn hard. So as long as that continues, and he's, as we saw, he showed a bit of growth when it came to walking. I mean, if you can get his walk rate up to like 11% or something like that, I just think that's going to make him so dangerous. And he's going to just be a 35 to 40 home run guy with a 120. I, I, would, I would not be surprised to see like a 120 WRC plus, if not more this year. Again, we, we've, he's huge, and you forget he's like as young as all these guys. And I, I think that's an easy, just match the over button on that one. Yeah, that was pretty much universally agreed. 91% over, 90% under on that one. Our next one, Scott Moss. This is um, a guy who could be a, a reliever. If I could go back in time, I think I would change what I said about Logan Allen, and I would give him some starts and probably put him on the over. I think I put him as under before, but um, as a switch to that, I'd put Lope, Scott Moss probably. Did I say over when I did his? I did. I would actually say under on Scott Moss now, <laughs> just because Logan Allen – um, everything we've heard about him, I mean, it's spring training, but I, I think Tito's going to be using him more. I think he can he can pitch well. And Scott Moss is just kind of guy who's going to get lost in the shuffle a bit. Um, I think his command is just going to keep him in the bullpen. Um, I, I think he's just going to he's going to be over this point eight war. 
he's gonna be kind of long getting relief guy maybe a start here and there but i think they they're gonna use logan allen as like the sixth starter more than scott moss so um yeah just kind of a bullpen guy i think he's gonna be there and be okay like zips possession is 5.18 era which sure in his rookie season he hasn't debuted yet so maybe they give him a lot of walk issues i think that's also pretty fair five walks per nine probably isn't too terribly off i don't think he makes a team Oh shit! It's a way under. <laughs> <laughs> Smash that under. Uh, I think um, I, I listen a little bit to the Selby's Godcast also, um, to, so I can in, you know influence my points of view. But <laughs> they were talking about uh, <laughs> Sam Hentges there, and I think that he is better choice of pitcher. Of oh, absolutely! If it's between, the, I think I think they're both going to make it though. I think if it's between one of the both other, of them, it's though? absolutely I mean, Hentges. I, what? How many lefties do we have? And then we're talking about those two, and also, um, uh, fuck. Logan Allen. No, the old man. Oh, Oliver Perez. I forgot about Oliver Perez. Okay, yeah. maybe not. Yeah, Oliver Perez is going to be on the team. I mean, we're talking about eight, eight pitchers. I mean, if we wanted to go through it real quick, after the top three, and then Whitgren, and then Perez. That's five. Shaw's going to make the team. I don't care what you say. <laughs> oh, no, he's going to make the team. I'm not doubting that. But, um, but I, I just I don't think there's enough room for all these guys. And I think Hen just take, gets, the, gets the job over Scott Moss just because it's Velo, baby. <laughs> so then is and Adam Plutko, too. He's going to be there because he doesn't have any options. 100%. Adam Plutko will definitely be on the team. Yeah. Yes. Maybe Scott Moss is the guy that's like mostly hanging around in AAA, but when they need to start, they bring him up. But Logan's out there like for an emergency start. But if they know what's coming, they can bring Scott Moss up and then option him back down, something like that. I don't know. But according to Fangraph's top 49 prospects, um, he may have been going through a change to the way he throws his fastball. I don't think it matters. Uh, at the alternate site, his velocity band for that pitch is much larger than usual. He may be a little bit different uh, next year, but he did have a low le- leverage along. Anyway, everything we know about him may be completely different. Uh, yeah. So we'll find out. <laughs> which we don't know a whole lot about. <laughs> which, anyway, which, so <laughs> which all we know is he sits eighty nine and ninety three and tops ninety five with a fastball, and he has an uh, scouter scouting wise an okay slider changeup and uh, shitty command. So I feel like they have like seven guys who can do that. Or yeah, that's, that's, I literally just described. If I just squint and pick another pitcher, I have him again. So it's just like, oh, here's one, here's one, here's one. Yeah. So you know, yeah, uh, kind of. I think opposite of Scott Moss, at least for us, is Phil Maton. Um, he was acquired from the Padres. Uh, that was two years. That was so. I actually mentioned this on Twitter. I was looking up stuff up for um, talking about him here. I forgot they got him for bonus pool money in 2019, which is just like if you look at his baseball savant stuff. I think it's pretty clear the Padres just saw his his low velocity, his his high walk rate, and said we don't want this guy. You can have him for nothing, sure. But like Cleveland saw every other thing is just so hard in the red. Like he obviously spins the ball like crazy. He's got his expected numbers are great. His FIP is really low. I mean, it, it, to him, the point has just been his troubles getting results. And he hasn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just terrible sequence that he's had. He's giving up a few too many home runs. Um, he, he's walked quite a few batters, obviously. But, like, considering what he's been so far, like, Zip seems to know that he's going to recover quite a bit. Like, a 3.68 ERA, that's better than anything he's had. Um, it's still not great, but it's it's a pretty decent reliever, especially for a guy you get for bonus pool money. Um, over 11 strikeouts per nine, which is ridiculous, but also realistic, I think, for Mayton. And he said he has that cutter, which is ridiculous. I, I think he's going to be one of the most exciting relievers that we have, which is saying something, considering we also have James Karinczak and Class A. I think he'll be like one of the, like, not exciting on the surface. He's not going to pump 100 and have these big hammer curveballs, but when you, like, look back at what he did. You look at his numbers, too, just, like, going from San Diego to Cleveland. And, I mean, this just uh, speaks, I think, to Cleveland's. Uh, current edge when it comes to understanding pitching. I mean, his 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 FIP dropped from 444 
to 282 in going from San Diego to Cleveland. Now that does encapsulate 114 innings in San Diego versus 34 for Cleveland, but it also does encapsulate, you know, just being yanked back and forth and a lack of consistency in San Diego before he came to Cleveland as well. So, uh, no, I, I'm, I, I've said it many times. I, th- I think he's going to be very good. Um, if we wanted to, you know, staple the labels of the previous generation of great arms to these guys, I mean, he would be the, he would be the Shaw of this new group. I think, I think he has the talent to be better than Brian Shaw. He already gets better strikeouts. I think his, his pitch, his uh, pitches move better. He also has, I think, a, a better repertoire. I would take the over on this one. I think he's going to be excellent. 69 said over, 31 under, so most people agreed there. Uh, our next one, Eddie Rosario, outfielder, obviously signing the outfield for or offseason for $8 million. Zips has him, 591 plate appearances, 28 home runs, 5.5 walks, 15% strikeout rate, uh, 105 WRC+, plus, little almost two war. I think that's – I would go over, I think, on that. Chris Davies, who wrote the post, also said over. I, I think just – I mean, he's maddeningly inconsistent. If you look at any Twins fans about when he signed, they'll they'll yes. tell you that he is not at all a consistent player. He'll streak and be an amazing hitter, and then just bottom out for several weeks at a time. But I, I think overall, he'll probably outperform it. I think he's going to get he's going to be terrible in the outfield. I think he might he'll probably hit better than one hundred five WRC plus. Um, I think he has a chance to be hit thirty home runs with Cleveland. He's always hit well in progressive field. He's going to hit there a ton now and not face Cleveland pitching. So, yeah, I'm excited about Rosario just having an outfielder who is a real outfielder for once, even if he's not a good defensive one, but he's a legit bat out there. And he's also trended in the right direction that he's been striking out less and making more contact, which I think that's probably something Cleveland saw outside of just the home runs. They they, they seem to like these guys that, that make contact now. They're kind of zigging while everyone else is zagging. So I like him in Cleveland. I think Cleveland probably likes him too. And, and the poll was broke, so I have no idea what other people said. I, I think I did something wrong with the poll, but I'm going to assume everybody else agreed with me because – why wouldn't they? Um, I don't know. I'm worried Rosario is going to be one of those guys that's going to get impacted by that ball change. Uh, I mean, push. If I was going to say anything over or under, I'd just say push, and he's going to be basically this exact hitter this year. Uh, and I wouldn't be uh, surprised one way or the other. 277, 314, 488 is right around where I expect him to be, you know, walk five and a half percent of the time, something like that. Because, I mean, you look at his projections, and they're all just so like, the exact same numbers over and over and over. Yeah, I think it'd be like a two-win player. So I'm narrow over, if anything, but I don't want to be that that excited about it because I don't know. I don't think he'll hit 30 home runs personally. I think he'll hit. He's only done that once, um, and that was when the ball was made out of um, rubber, um, rubber cultivated in the rubber fields of Goodyear, Arizona. Um, no, and I think 25 home runs would make more sense to me. Uh, walk rate similar, although maybe he'll press more. I don't know. He hits the ball in the air a lot, so we'll see. Our next one, um, probably the obviously the biggest prospect that's going to be coming up this year, Nolan Jones, if he's coming up this year. Um, Zips has liked him for multiple seasons now. Last year, I think it was almost the exact. Like they had him at two wins last year if he came up. This year, putting him at 566 plate appearances, 24 home runs, which I think is really nice. 12 walks, 12% uh, walk rate, 31% strikeout rate, 96 WRC+. plus. That's a pretty good, um, I mean, considering a guy that's never played and he doesn't yeah. have, he, he's got good tools, but he's not like, he hasn't been elite any level. He has an elite walk rate. That's not really technically a tool, a good plate approach. But if it was, he would have a really good one, one of the best in the minors. I'm going to smash the over button on this one if he makes the team. Uh, I, don't, I don't I don't. think he'll hit any of the counting stats because I don't think he's going to play 130 games. But it's so actually, no, I'll, the rate stats, I think he'll probably um, get right around there. I think it'll be more like a 250, 260, 340, 440 guy, which would be that'd be basically 100 WRC plus, feeling pretty good. Yeah, that's where I am too. I think if he comes up too, that he he'll be platooned with um, like Jordan Lublo, which I think will help him out. I don't think he needs he he might need to be platooned right away, but I think if 
if he there's even a hint that he does, Tito will jump all over that between yeah. those two. And I think that will help him if he doesn't have the counting stats, it'll help him have the, the rate stats better. So I think he could have over he could be an over an average hitter pretty easily, I think. Uh, 100 yard WRC plus isn't unreasonable and give him enough time and enough walks he can get over two war i think too and i think wherever he plays on defense he might just be fine he's just an athletic kid so i know he hasn't played i don't think any very little in the outfield if anything and they're not even working him out there right now they're keeping him at third base which seems kind of weird but yeah i think he'll be fine out there he's not going to play a ton in the outfield anyway just because he's platooning so i don't think he'll be a major liability it might hurt his war just because he's not contributing a whole lot but i think he'll still be pretty good and a, a more surprising bat than we think, especially if he's platooning and only facing pitchers, he can see really well. So um, not a whole lot said the over on that one, 26%, 74% said under mostly on the playing time issue. They don't think he's the take mostly is, uh, which is probably not completely wrong is that he won't be playing a whole lot because first they're going to manipulate a service time. And also you could say that there's a legit reason to keep him down to work in AAA because. Uh, and where are they going to play him? I mean, they got log jams all over the field, right. man. I mean, well, I mean, if he hits, it doesn't. He, no, he, got, he breaks the log jam. Oh, that, that, yeah, yeah, he like, smashes that log fine. jam up, and we we ride those logs all the way down. He's a lumberjack, Columbia a River. Yeah, there you go. New nickname: Nolan Jones, the lumberjack. Why is he, why do you know that? Well, because he was good enough to actually make the team. <laughs> Isn't there a specific term for the lumberjacks that rode the like the logs down the river? I don't know, logmen. Let's find out. Guys who rode log jams. Guy <laughs> who rode. Flow. We're googling it. We're doing log science here. Log driving. The log driver, maybe log driver. Log driver. There we go. Nolan Jones, the log driver. That's, look, that's at, look at these guys. Here's a log driver working for the Brown Company, New Hampshire. Here's a log. Here's a picture of Nolan Berlin. Jones. How did this get here? Here's a photo of just Nolan Jones <laughs> hanging out with some river drivers in Germany with a crude pole, pike pole. Oh, I like river driver. That's a cool one. There's a new baseball name. But here's some guys in Sweden. Yeah, everybody's a hater. I don't think it, everybody thinks if he comes up, he'll he'll outperform that, but nobody thinks he's going to play enough, So, which is fair. Our last one who we talked about, Jake Bowers. Zips doesn't see a whole lot. <laughs> I mean, like, they see him as an 84 WRC plus just because of what he's done. I think, again, if he outperforms this, I said the over on my prediction. I think this is just one where if all that stuff that he did in – um, either working on his approach, working on his his his, um, his swing path, his his mental approach, everything. If that comes together, I think he can outperform a pretty pitiful 0.2 WAR projection. Um, it could be anywhere from a tiny bit over to a lot over if um, if if the mental struggle just was too much for him between 2019 coming over to new team was his issue then 2020 i mean obviously just everything was an issue then for everybody. So if that is the case and he comes over, he's he's reworked his swing. He's reworked his mental approach. I think he could overcome, obviously, 84 WRC plus by a ton. Uh, and then just depending on where he plays, whether it is a first baseman, I think he'd be decently deep on defense there. Maybe he wouldn't be. He'd be kind of a weak hitting first baseman. But 16 home runs, they have met 13 stolen bases. Um, double digit walk rate, I think, would be good for Jake Bowers, what they put him at. So, yeah, that's what he's known for. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think he can go this. Not a ton, but some something over two point point two more at least. Point two, yeah, I think so. Too. If, if, I mean, if he gets any playing time at all, I mean, it's, that contact rate is so dog shit. I'm uh, just looking at his numbers from 2019: 78% overall contact rate, and then 87 even in the zone, which is which is good, but nothing like special. Yeah, and, uh, he, and he watches so many strike threes. And that's the thing too. It's it's not about the numbers. The thing with Jake Bowers is it's never been about the numbers. It's been about getting out thought and out thinking himself and stuff like that. That's why I was complaining before about you know not being able to see the games because like. That's how you can actually make a judgment on whether a guy's actually playing like crap or not. He worked a walk, what was it, today, I think? So 
thumbs up, I guess. But like, he, he always did that. I'd rather he be more aggressive, I guess, and you know, I don't know, swing at balls or something, and yeah, be able to recognize when they're throwing a slider, things like that. So, you know, the little things like I have no like answer this. on this one because I, I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to like say over because I just I don't think it's going to happen. But I don't think it's not going to happen. So I have no idea. I have no judgment on this one. <laughs> So it's another one where if he plays, he'd go over, but he's probably, you know. Maybe. I don't know. I think if you play, you might go under, too. He might be worth negative. I mean, come on. He's 2019, he was worth negative 3.3 wins above replacement, rather. Let's be honest here. He was he was very bad. He had 12 home runs. And I think he'd admit that, too. Like he, And he knew that it wasn't like that he's a, a terrible person or player. It was just everything messed with his head, and he was just having troubles, and maybe he got fit. Maybe, like. I'm sure the the pandemic year was bad for everybody, clearly, but maybe for anybody with Jake Bowers, good getting down there and and using his last option year to just get up close and personal work with the team, and they can they can work with him more closely than just putting him in AAA and and working on it there. But um, just a year of quiet away from everything maybe it helped a little bit. But I guess we'll okay. see. Yeah, it's like when it's like when a samurai descends or ascends into the hills and, and meditates for a year. And a That's day. exactly what I was getting at. Is that Jake Bowers is a samurai? Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> He's the Tom Cruise samurai. I'm, I'm with you. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, that was a pretty decisive one. 53% said under, 47 over. That's, I think that's our closest so far. We mentioned last week that if it's even like 60-40, that's considered close based on. See, no one knows how to feel. Like I, I, I am the voice of the reader, essentially, in this. I'm just like, I don't know, dude. Like Everything could be different now or not. Everything's the same. Like. It's it's not about the numbers. It's about him being able to recognize whether or not throwing a fastball, which is never at this point because it's the only thing he knows how to hit. So, but if he's if he's adjusted to that, then who knows? Maybe he can be uh, at least a decent offensive first baseman. Apparently, not a outfielder. But so yeah, that's our that's uh, over unders this week. If you like watching these, you can go over to letsgotribe.com, talk about them there. We've got a few more left. Um, a couple of later additions they made. Harold Ramirez will be there soon. Talk about him. But um, the next thing we're going to talk about is that over on the Athletic, obviously. This is the last year we'll be talking about the Cleveland Indians as a team name. They're going to be switching. I mean, they could have just, you know, picked a new one this year, but they've sent out surveys. Um, Cleveland themselves have their, they're trying to engage the community about switching the name. They just don't want to be the Indians anymore for very obvious reasons. I think at this point Um, in the athletic, they did. I think a lot of people have talked about a name change. They've kind of done their own thing, but the athletic went all out. They included like every suggestion they could find in these giant pools of, of voting names. And they narrowed it down to like a sweet 16, and now they've had brackets going through um, the voting for the Well, they started with 240 candidates. Right. They took like everything they could get and just they put them in separate pools in a Google Doc sheet and had you vote on them. So 16 made it to the end. Um, we warn you, the 16, 16 that made it are kind of the ones you'd expect, like the Spiders, Rockers, Guardians, Blue Sox, Blues, the Baseball Club. Class is kind of neat, but I don't, I don't think I'd want it. Cuyahugas, I think it's stupid. I don't like that one. Uh, Commodores is one that's still my vote, and that's that's one of the ones still in it. That's that's the what we're going to talk about here is that they're in the final two now. So one of them was Specters, but it was spelled S P E C T E R S. I wish it was Specters with an R E. So it gave it kind of a bit of an international vibe, you know. It's Cleveland and inter- Clydesdales is a pretty good one. Engines is a pretty dope. Engines, I'd be down. Engines with. is not good. What are you doing? Shut up! It's great. <laughs> Come on, stupid. The, well, the worst one is baseball club, which I'm glad that got voted out right away. Yeah, get out of here! Got lost get out of here, captains. you big jerks! <laughs> the final four was Spiders, Guardians, Blues, and Commodores, and the big upset. The uh, and Spiders got crushed. They did their they combined the voting 
Um, Guardians, 67% in their little pool of spiders, red tails, Clash, and Guardians, and Guardians just destroyed everything. I understand like, why people ever, would ever even think spiders are a good name. It's a trash name. I like it. I like the spider's name. I you're think. dumb again. This is, I, can't I, I don't care about the connection because I, I know they're not the same organization or whatever, technically. I just think it's a neat name. There's a different name. How about the Mosquitoes? Now, that's a cool name. <laughs> mosquitoes are not cool. Spiders at least have some. But everyone it's hates all Mosquitoes. Man, mosquitoes is, is the greatest villain known to man. <laughs> I mean, if you're doing that, you have to do the uh, the midges because of it's Cleveland. But well, I guess. But why? Everywhere has mosquitoes. From uh, from everywhere has mosquitoes. Well, yeah. Then you don't want to do that because you don't want to be everywhere. You want Cleveland. We want to be everywhere. We want to be a dominant force. That's what we want. We want. We want. To, we want. We want a nation that, that spreads across the globe. Everyone's like, we hate the mosquitoes. Oh no. <laughs> I think the Guardians are a pretty weak connection to Cleveland, just like mosquitoes would be. Like it's just there's a statue. There's nothing about them that's special. There's just. I mean, somebody it, built a statue that guards traffic, and now it's it feels a like a fake name. It feels like something it gets made. It feels like an XFL video. name, which it was an XFL name. I know. Oh, that's why I like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure out why, why, why it rang so true to me because I was a huge Guardians fan because they they were either the they were either DC or New York. New I York. never remember which one was which because the other DC one was, was a def- Defenders. Okay, I, I can't yeah. remember which one was which. Same thing. <laughs> I was like, I don't know which one. Is, yeah, and I watched all their games, so I was a huge Guardians fan. Um, they, it was uh, I don't it's I like the name. I, there's enough, I guess, to connect them to Cleveland. I think people exaggerate the connection to Cleveland for Guardians. Um, I think Commodores is still my favorite. Uh, since we're not doing owl, bear, owl bears, we're, we've counted that out, unfortunately. Well, first of all, Wizards of the Coast would have sued the Cleveland <laughs> baseball team. So let's be but, honest but here. Commodores is my vote. Uh, you can link it to uh, Oliver Hazard Perry, which I'm also not sure that linking it to a guy from 1812 is a great idea. Oh, shut probably going to do some stuff eventually. <laughs> it's never great. That will, that will um, never bite anyone in the ass. <laughs> I can understand their hesitancy. Also, they're the commies for short, which I think rules, but also maybe they don't want that. Well, no, there was a great comment in the bottom here. It was like, it was it was literally that. It was, uh, uh, so you, can't, you can't choose Commodores. The woke police will kill them. But, but the next comment was like, but maybe the, the opportunity to shorten two commies will balance it out. And everyone can be unhappy together with their mutual choice, as usual. And I'm like, hell yeah. There, there we go. We're covering our bases. It's all rounded out, but... Yeah, I think there is plenty of reasons they won't do Commodore, just because I'm sure after being called the Indians, they're going to do everything careful as they can. I even think Guardians, like if you use that, you're tying it to the artist, and if something ever comes out about the artist, and then you got to change the name again, <laughs> like unless you detach yourself from the statue Guardians. Like I think they're going to do, they're going, it's going to be so bland and so not linked to anything other than like just Cleveland. It's going to be just guitars or something stupid or okay, rockers. I'm back in on guitars. <laughs> <laughs> Even the guitars? Oh, man. <laughs> and like that poll they sent out, that did not, uh, like the Cleveland's actual survey they sent out did not give me, it was not encouraging. It seemed like they're going overly for like the sentimental generic Clevelandiness, which I think kind of sucks. All of baseball, fun. Major League Baseball is the most poorly run garbage. Yeah, on like Earth. Seattle's the Krakens. All their stuff is so cool up in Seattle. Well, I mean, it's trash, team. but uh, sure, okay. What? No. I, I do not great. like it. Don't like the logo. Don't like the name. I think it's needlessly uh I, I just it doesn't feel it feels like not quite as bad as like Bodie McBoatface, but it's got that <laughs> Bodie McBoatface vibe to it that just rubs me the wrong way. Like why can't I have a cool name? Like the Sea Mary, Dragons. The sea, they are, they're the Sea Kraken, because of the S E A is Seattle and they're the Kraken. So I the Sea Dragons are the XFL team. But right, yeah. <laughs> But the, the, the sea kraken, it's still good. I like it. But I, I'm I'm not optimistic. It's going to be so bad if they're just like the 
the generic thing. I think Cleveland should listen to this. Like, pay attention. Like, the people who read the Athletic are the ones I would trust more than whatever season ticket holders have have been getting stuff and getting the polls. I hope they don't rely overly on that because it's not going to be the people who I necessarily think I want their opinion the most, just because they can afford season tickets or whatever. But one of my two of my favorite, well, one of my favorite sports names in American sport is probably the Portland Trailblazers because it's really good. It's like perfectly vague but also incredibly specific and they have a a nothing logo that's so cool and i don't know how to capture that but like if they could figure out a way to capture something like that or just name it after like the, something involving or like an or ship or boats or barges barges um yeah i don't know i mean if they're gonna go with, with like something like sentimental or historical go with something like that because that's an inanimate object that is there and or is about the founding of the city or whatever like that but yeah you're right though uh, like trailblazers is so good i never thought i always everything about that like that so them and the nuggets i think are my two favorite team names i think in the nba uh first of all because they play when i was in college they used to play each other in the second like the second tnt game was always the blaze nugs game we always laughed and laughed uh you know for drug reasons and then, uh, but but also like they're good names. They they are specific. They're nothing, but they also capture the specific area of the uh, from where they're from. They have cool uniforms, and everything about, aesthetically, everything about them is just strong. And I just I don't think any teams really do that quite. Mariners, I think, is one that I really like. I think they're probably my favorite name in in baseball. A very unique uniform, a logo that's nothing, like absolutely nothing. It's literally just a, a compass and. So I don't know, just things like that where it's it's nothing but something is I think where they should go with it. Nothing that's like needlessly mawkish or sentimental or like saccharine and nothing that's like incredibly benign. I think Guardians does kind of like fit into what we're talking about though. It's not quite as cool, but it's like just enough linking to the city where it's not too buried in anything. It's just kind of it is Cleveland. It's not like Cleveland Clevelanders or Cleveland rockers or something overly in your face about it it's just there are these statues you could do kind of like a sub genre a sub uh, theme of traffic because it's kind of there um so yeah, i i don't well, hate like, commodores or or Guardians. No, I, mean, I just think I, the link is exaggerated a bit i like i like commodores a bit more but you know something another good example uh when it comes to pull from basketball would be lakers i mean obviously there are no lakes in los angeles but they are named because that was a thing a job people had up in, in minneapolis and so I don't know. Something that references some job that people had. I don't know. From back to did, did they have steel workers? They could be the Steelers. <laughs> <laughs> I love that idea a lot. Um, <laughs> they have the same logo, but just have it be like the red, white, and blue. It could be ores. What or- is this with ore? Is there a lot of barges in Cleveland? Is that a thing? I'm not aware. Of? I don't know. Lake Erie had a lot of barges going back and forth. <laughs> Didn't the 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 Edmund Fitzgerald? Oh no, that, that the Edmund Fitzgerald was full of iron ore that sank in Lake Superior. I mean, the Cleveland sinkers. There you go. They sink ships because of. Uh, oh, and then when they're real bad, you call them the stinkers. Oh man, that one's perfect. <laughs> Cleveland stinkers. There you go. Um, I don't hate doing something around like forests if they can think of something there. I mean, like Cleveland is the forest city. That's that's also kind of like a trailblazery thing where it's not directly linked, but it's if you know, you know kind of thing. I think forest is neat. Uh, but yeah, so last week or last week, yesterday, we asked everybody on Twitter about a poll. Want to know who's today? A merit the podcast. You gotta. We're in the future right now. Um, on Monday, <laughs> recently, we asked everybody on Twitter 
who they think is going to hit the most dingers for Cleveland in 2021? A very important question, of course. Um, we included Jose Ramirez, Fernando Reyes, Eddie Rosario, just for a spicy little outlier, Josh Naylor. Um, we would have included Bobby Bradley too, but we can only have four because Twitter, that's what they do. Um, I was kind of surprised at this one. Uh, Fran Reyes won with 48% of the vote. I thought it would have been Jose Ramirez just because he's Jose Ramirez and he does what he does. But right, but but people were going with the pure home run guy, which is Fran Reyes. Um, Eddie Rosario came in kind of low, 11%, I think. I, I guess I kind of understand that he won't hit the most, but a couple of people thought Josh Nelly would also hit the most, 3.7%. Very Fuck yeah. Way to believe, guys. All right. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> So yeah, what, what what would your vote about it? I would have voted Jose Ramirez. I, as much as I love Fernando Reyes, I think Jose will will lead the team in home runs, and Fernando will be pretty close behind. Well, as I have spent the last three weeks overblowing this in my head, um, I think <laughs> I think that it would be Fernando Reyes because Jose Ramirez will turn back into Michael Brantley, and he will hit sixty five doubles, but only uh, thirty home runs, which is you know still pretty good. So I would say Fernando Reyes, honestly, because uh, I have high hopes for him. I think he will be a legitimate 40 home run threat. Uh, that's something obviously we've seen Jose Ramirez do, but I would say, yeah, I, I would go with Fremont Reyes just because of the, until I actually see it in play uh, because of the ball. Yeah. That's true. Which yeah, is not to say that Jose Ramirez hits like stinky little dinker home runs. He does <laughs> but it also bombs. might just make more sense for him to just switch back into Michael Brantley. Mode. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Just, I'll just switch over to this now. I hate <laughs> you for being able to do that. Damn. <laughs> Uh, Jeremy responded on Twitter. He said, I'll, I'll say Reyes, Ramirez, Rosario, and Naylor in that order, which is pretty much, um, I, I'd reverse Ramirez and Reyes for me personally, but that seems like pretty fair. Maybe, I maybe would do you put Naylor. Rosario and Naylor on that one. Yeah. Because you, you don't think Rosario is going to get like, what, 25, you said? And how many gets... do you, how many home runs do you think Josh Naylor is going to, let's say he gets 500, he plays 150 games. Let's say he plays 150 games. How many home runs do you think he's going to hit? 20. Somewhere between 20 and 23, somewhere in there. Low 20s. And I think um, Rosario gets over 25, which I think... I think it's over 30, or right at 30, so... I think I think Naylor gets over 25 as well. So, you know, we're very excited, people here. We're, we've, we've just found four men to hit <laughs> what, a combined. What can we be except optimistic right now, Mary? Hey, listen, training. dude. It's literally March the 1st as you've recorded this. I am... Because we're idiots, and this happens every single year, I am needlessly, uh, you know, excited about this crap. Uh, I'm, I'm at this point, I'm 34 years old. You'd think this would end, but it will not. So uh, here we are. 64, but, yeah. it doesn't matter. Still be doing it. Be excited about. Oh, here we go. Josh Naylor the third. Why are they keeping on getting his kids? <laughs> this is crazy. He's got a little brother. You could be in there too. Bo yeah, there you go. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's going to be so many Naylors. It's going to be the, the Cleveland Nailers. Ooh, there hey, all right. Here we go. We Nailers. found it. There we go. Boom, we baby. N-A-I-L-E-R. Yeah, there you go. It's, a, it's about building. You know, Cleveland was known as the building capital of the world. No, it wasn't. Shut up. Get out of here. Uh, yeah, so I, I would flip those two because I just I think he can get over twenty five home runs, and I don't think that Rosario will. I think he'll get over twenty. But there you go. But either way, we we just found a hundred home runs for for Cleveland. Yeah, I th- I think we also could have uh, maybe not. But at Fish Stripes, they they loved Harold Ramirez, who came over. He said Christian Yelich traded by the Marlins at age twenty six wasn't elevating the ball enough. Led his new team in led his new team in homers the next year. Harold um, Ramirez. Traded by the Marlins at age twenty six wasn't elevating the ball enough, and then dot dot dot. Um, I don't I don't think that'll happen, but <laughs> maybe he turns into Christian Yelich and he leads the team. Um, Sixty home runs, Harold Ramirez calling it right now. There we go. I, I think I, I, I don't. That's crazy, Matt. He's gonna have fifty doubles <laughs> and twenty five home runs as long as, as long as as long as twelve triples. Come on now. Yeah, he's gonna be everything. We'll see yeah, he's that. gonna be the perfect player. He's gonna be <laughs> ultimate five tool man. They'll call him. I think that's his nickname, Ultimate Five Tool Harold. That's what they call him. All right, Merritt. That'll do it for us this week. 
Um, if you haven't already, subscribe to us on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you listen to podcasts. Leave us a review. Um, five stars if you want. If you liked it, let us know what you think. Um, follow us on Twitter. I'm Matt R-L-Y. Merit is at Merrill Lunch, like Merrill Lynch, with lunch. Find Let's Go Tribe at Let's Go Tribe on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, obviously, Let's Go Tribe.com. And uh, Merit, talk to you next week. I'll be there.